It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This week on the big show. The seventh annual Middleburg Film Festival kicks off next week, and we'll preview the fest that is known as the Road to the Oscars. Plus, we'll talk about the awards contenders as the picture slowly becomes clearer. We'll also have movie news and reviews of the latest films, including Parasite, Little Monsters, Dolomite is My Name. Yeah, we're doing it again because Eddie's good. And... Gemini Man, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. to every week as the big show keeping it real with film gordon i am tim gordon action-packed show and you can hear it in my excitement i love this time of the year you know people in december always talk about the most wonderful time of the year from november through february to me is the most wonderful time of the year it is award season uh we have the lead up to the award season then we actually have some award shows that I might participate in. And then there's a Sundance Film Festival. Then there's the Oscars. The most wonderful time of the year. It's the six-month window. Um, Charles Kirkland will be joining me momentarily, but as I said in the tease, we're going to preview the 7th Annual Middleburg Film Fest. I have been blessed to have been at all the previous six. So this is kind of like my festival away from home, from my lakefront home. So this is kind of... My festival, I love Middleburg. So we'll talk about that festival coming up. In addition, uh, every week as Charles and I both see more of the awards contenders that are going to be coming in the theaters and that you guys will know about uh, coming into early December, the picture becomes a little clearer of which films and performances to look out for. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And today we have reviews, 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 Parasite, Little Monsters, Gemini Man. And yes, we're talking Dolomite again because for people who don't know, it's coming out on Netflix later this month. But it's in theaters now. And this is and I'll talk with Charles about this. I had a hilarious exchange at a barbershop where they were like, wait, Dolomite's in theaters? Yes, Dolomite is in theaters. You can see Dolomite now. So that's coming up. And uh, we'll have all that. We will not have Wilson Morales this week because he is going to be sitting with filmmakers uh, from another movie that's going to play in Middleburg called Motherless Brooklyn. So he's eating lunch while we're in here carrying the freight. Enjoy your lunch, my brother. You earned it. So all that's coming up. But first of all, I want to welcome into the, into the show Charles Kirkland, associate producer, most selfish man in radio. That's our inside joke. He's not really selfish unless you try to you want something that he has. You might he might not give it to you. But other than that, he's a good dude. <laughs> Charles, it's the most wonderful time of the year. No. Shane. Oh, uh, never mind. Wow, that's that. Shane Lewis is our producer. Oh, the I got a thumbs down on that All one. All right, so, so <laughs> thank you for that. But let us start the show uh, with congratulations are in order because we are now in title town. The 2019 WNBA champion, Washington Mystics, yeah. took it home last night. Um I almost this hate to week. say this that this um, I've been a, I've been a fan of this team since its inception in the nation's capital back in 1997 when I was at another radio station named WHUR. 
Um, hold Name on a second. No, it. I was not at WHUR in 1997. I was at WMMJ, Magic 102.3. And I started, I was covering the Mystics for them and then later on at HUR as well. So I have a long-standing relationship with this team and one of its uh, minority owners, the Sheila Johnson, who we will talk to at Middleburg next week because it's her festival, the Middleburg Film Festival. See the tie-in? Yeah, yeah, I got, uh, it. I got it. So congratulations to uh, all the folks over at Monumental Sports, including Ted Leonsis, Sheila Johnson, and the rest of their partners, and Coach Mike Tebow. Finally. And the two-time MVP, Elena Deladon, who put up 21 points, nine rebounds, and three assists with not one, not two, but three herniated discs in her back. Mm. She, she, she took Let me off, repeat that again because I, I think nobody responded. She had, she had three, three herniated discs in her back. And it gave us 21-9-3 in a Game 5 title championship game won by the Mystics, 89-78, over in Southeast D.C. A stone's throw from here. Yeah. Hey, man, this is big news, man. Yeah. So, you know, in the land of the woeful Redskins, no disrespect, but you know it's true, they're 0-5. Uh, in the land of the of the Nats, who had, who shocked the Dodgers the other day to advance to the second round. Yeah, it was round. no shock. Everybody expected that. Everybody expected the Dodgers that. won 106 games and were penciled in for a World Series ticket. The Nats, the Dodgers them. are national chokers. They choke every wow, year. Man. Every can, year. Can we Everybody have some class, please? Some class. Class. All right. I'm sorry. All right. They're, but they are. Also, <laughs> the Washington Capitals uh, literally won the Stanley Cup two years ago. We're becoming title town. DC United is going to be in the playoffs as the number five seed. I mean. <laughs> DC is becoming title. Then there's the Redskins. Then there's the Redskins. <laughs> Sorry. But congratulations once again to the 2019 WNBA champion, Washington Mystics, who finished 26 and 8 in the regular season, uh, with Elena Deladon, who won her second MVP this year, who becomes the first woman and only the seventh professional basketball player with a 50 40 90 season. Look at Shane. What does 50, 40, 90 mean? She shot 50% from the field. She shot 40% from three-point range. And she shot 90% from the line. 50, 40, 90. First woman to ever do this. So, yeah, so I wanted to start the the show with that. They're the second member of the monumental group to win a title. Second member. It's amazing. So, yeah, I just wanted to start the show off with that. All right. um, Time keeper, where you got us at? Cool. Good, seven minutes. Seven. All right, so um, we got a lot of show today, but I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about uh, our, our first comment. Um, the 45th president of the United States, you know who that is, no names here, uh, uh, slammed Beyonce, Jay-Z, and the man he called Little, little Bruce Springsteen little Bruce, that he didn't Bruce. need their support at a rally. Obviously. Basically, the beehive has has kind of like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah, because you know you you clearly are uh, you, you you don't talk about Beyonce, man. Mm-mm, they coming for you. SNL did a skit about the beehive, man. How dangerous that is for you. So I'm just putting that out there. So watch this. In case there are members of the hive that listen to this show that didn't know, you know, back in the day oh, they would call it a phone tree. But now it's kind of like a Twitter tree. Y'all, y'all work that out. Please. Do what y'all need to do because he's coming after Bay. You didn't have to tell them <laughs> nothing. They right. on top of it. <laughs> oh, we got something for you. All right. So now you're going to want to be a this, beach now. These are, these are just public service announcements <laughs> on our show to kind of alert the public here on the big show. All right. So now the other big news this week is uh, Charles and I have had an opportunity to see and be more films and I, um, I compare it to one of my favorite childhood games called Concentration. If you're young and you don't know what Concentration is Concentration was a game that was a big board right and it had, was numbers from 1 to 60 and you had to pick two numbers and the numbers had to match like whatever behind them had to match and if it matched 
then the board opened up. You can see what was behind it. So the Oscar season to me is kind of like a big board of concentration, right? So every week we see certain movies and you start to piece them together and then you start to figure out, oh, mm. that's going to be, that's a nominee, that's a nominee for this, that, and that. So this week I learned a very valuable lesson because I saw is. Harriet. Charles saw Harriet at Urban World. Urban World. Tim saw Harriet at the screening this week. As the board pulls up and we look back, <laughs> survey says Will, Will Cynthia Oribo, who probably is one of the most well conditioned actresses in the game, because I saw her sprint game in Widows <laughs> and her sprint game in Harriet. Sister can, sister, run. She can run. If if she snatches your purse, your purse is gone. You're not gonna get it back. Cynthia Oribo can fly. And she'll sing as she's running and she away will from sing. it. So Charles, bye bye. Is she? Does she make the top five? Absolutely. Oh, don't say absolutely. I'm saying absolutely. You haven't seen Marriage Story yet, have you? I have not. Okay. But there's and room. you didn't see Jojo Rabbit. This. But I did not. But there's room. Okay. Hold on. Uh, no, I don't know because you got Scarlett Johansson. I think Renee Zellweger is in for Judy. Yeah. yeah Watch this. Yeah. I think I think there's this little movie called Bombshell that's coming out that might put Charlize Theron in the game. And remember. The people who release their movies last, those are the ones that people remember because it's the last thing they've seen. So you got that happening. You got Little Women that's happening. Yeah, but don't for, and, don't, and don't forget <clears throat> Lapita Nyong'o for us. Us, us. So, no, but but see, which I think is probably was, the was, best. Yeah, I know. Us was way back. And but so remember, not, Get Out came out around that time true, several years true, ago. True. So when I, I'm asking you this again. Don't don't slam. I, see, I can slam dunk Joaquin Phoenix. I can slam dunk Leonardo DiCaprio, and I can slam dunk uh, Robert De Niro for The Irishman. You can slam dunk those three. Everything else will develop around those three because those are three people who either have won Oscars or and and Joaquin Phoenix. We've already talked about the Joker. So I so I'm not saying that I, you got to give me an answer now, but at least don't go. Oh no, she's in. There's oh, she, space. She's. Well, when, uh, Harriet's not released until late October, right? So she's close enough to the I, time I'm to, saying, for consideration. I'm saying First that of all. she's in the conversation. Second I think, of all, I think she's, she's playing, in the conversation. She's playing a, a biopic. Biopic Harriet Tubman, and and people they love biopics. You're talking they, about they, you they know, like biopics. Okay, so, I mean, all she ticks all the boxes. Alright, I'm just all I'm saying, Shane, is Charles might be right, but I'm just saying that I understand that there are some competitors out there. I, and I again, I beat the drum again for Lapita Nyongo, who was fantastic. She was in us. In us. Do not forget that performance. That's a real she played she's playing dual, dual characters. Roles. Come on, man. Come yeah. on, man. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah. Watch this. And I'm telling Kinda you, like Bombshell. Will Smith and Gemini man. Look, look, well, well, we'll get to that later on. <laughs> Bombshell, Bombshell is getting a lot of is getting a lot of action, and Saoirse Ronan and Little Women cannot sleep on Saoirse Ronan. Ronan, remember Brooklyn? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really good, but it's man. Little Women again. All right, man. Okay, I, I, I'm not. I'm just telling you as to what I know from all the years of having done this. I'm just saying, do not sleep because there's always performances. Um, now here's the problem that I see. Okay. Because we already believe that Lupita Nyong'o is excellent in us. The -hmm. problem may be that the black vote gets split between the two of them. And only one of them gets split. The white votes get split too. Well, like, like, come on, man. I mean, this is, see, see, and I think part of what I've learned and studying this stuff, man, and and I'm being very transparent, is that sometimes, man, there are people who, people just honestly like, and they'll give a performance, and it's their year. And you can see it start to bubble right. up, which is why when we talk about Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy should have won an Oscar for Dreamgirls back in 2007. True. The Oscars season was 2008. He should have won. He, you know, the, the, the rumor on the street is, is that they released Norbit, mm-hmm. which torpedoed his chances. People are really feeling Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite. They really are. I mean, I when I first watched this, since I knew the story, I was like, eh, it's kind of cute. I don't know. Then I started listening to people who were in my industry, and I was like, he might have a shot. Eddie might have a shot, but he's just got to keep himself out of anything else until after that. That he, he will not have a problem. He's doing <laughs> SNL this year. He's going to be fine. That's going to be. Don't, don't let him bomb the, on the, SNL. His, his return. <laughs> 
Let me tell you something. This is Eddie's return to SNL. This will be the first time in 35 years that Eddie's been on SNL. It's not. It's gonna have the highest ratings. Not technically. I'm a, no, 40th anniversary doesn't count. Okay, Let's, all right, screw, all right. Skip that. All right, so we're getting the signal from uh, the man behind the glass. I'm going to take a break right now. We come back on the other side. We're going to be talking about the Middleburg Film Festival, but trust us, leading into the Oscar season, we're going to be having these contender conversations every week. Of course, keep it where you got it. You're listening to 96.3 HD4, dcradio.gov. Check it at home on your on the internet. Show. You guys are riding with us here at 96.3 HD4. And coming up a little later on in the show, reviews, reviews, and more reviews. That's all you need to know. But now it's time for us to pivot and shift gears as it's time for us to talk about one of my favorite film festivals, uh, the seventh annual Middleburg Film Fest, which takes place next weekend. Uh, Charles Kirkland and I and team will all be out there. 34 movies this year, the most intense, largest schedule that they've ever had. Um, I'm really looking forward to some of these films. Mm. Uh, Charles, this is what, your second or third year up there? This is my third year. Third year. Third wow. Year. Man, you part of the three. You in the three club, man. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm you got to go two more years to get a jacket. Okay, we'll see. You know, you we'll got to be a five-timer to get a jacket. Five times? When you're a seven-timer like myself, you get some real cool swag. Speaking of which, yes, I got my first screener in the mail. What'd you get? Um, I don't even remember. Is it something that's going to play at the Middleburg Film Fest? No. We'll talk about it later then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they probably sent you to Kingmaker. They, that's what it was. See? See, I'm already reading your mind. All righty, so let's talk about this film festival. Now, let's... Before we talk about the films, let me tell audiences or share with them what I think makes this festival special. Um, the story, as it was told to me by Sheila Johnson herself, is that years ago when she was on the board of the Sundance Film Festival, along with Robert Redford, she decided to come back here and buy, I guess, 600 acres in Middleburg. Now, Middleburg, if you've never been, is a beautiful, affluent town out in northern Virginia. That's wine about country. Wine country and horse country. And horse. Horse yeah. country. That's about an hour away. Um, there's only 700 people in this town. Um, small, quaint little community. And she bought 600 acres in Middleburg. She invited Robert Redford out. He comes out and they're standing on her 600 acres and they're just kind of overlooking all of this land. And he whispers to her, you know, this is be a good place to have a film festival. She was like, good idea, Bob. Hits. <laughs> I mean, Did she I'm, call him I'm, Bob? I don't know if she called him Bob or not, but I'm saying just stay with the gist of the story. So she builds the Salamander Resort, which is now a five-star resort, and she creates a film festival seven years ago, right? So the first year I ever remember, uh, me and another show colleague, guy Travis Hobson, we were the first two to go out. We were kind of like the guinea pigs, the, the Lewis and Clark of the film festival game. <laughs> we go out to this first festival and I'm telling you, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We went to opening night and after the opening night film, she opened up like three rooms of the salamander and every conceivable meat that you could have chicken, salmon, shrimp, roast beef, this beef, this, I mean, all this food, everybody just eat up. So it was like, wow. <laughs> so we had that happen. And then, you know, over the years, I've seen this festival evolve uh, to all of the cool things that Sheila has come up with at this festival. And, and I say Sheila as in Ms. Johnson because I, there's a relationship. So for purposes of this interview, she is Sheila, right? So I don't want people to go, he's just being disrespectful. I know Mrs. Johnson, she's Sheila. So I remember one year I went out, Tra uh, I was going to say Travis, one year I went out, Charles, 
And I got there early, and as I walked in, I'm not making this up, I walked in the side door, you know, when you come in instead of the front door, and it was Sheila and her husband, Bruce. And she was like, what you doing? I'm like, I just got here. She was like, well, we're doing our opening press conference. Just come with us. Bet. So I walk into the press conference. There's all this food. It's outside. They're doing this sponsor thing. I snuggle over to her husband. I'm like, hey, man, you like Stedman, man. People don't really check for you because they're checking for her. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. So needless to say, I've watched and evolved over the years, watched as the festival evolved. They've had Halloween parties out there that were masquerade events. There's always a cool party or two that happens at Middleburg, but the thing that Middleburg has done consistently from day one is have amazing films, hence the, the branding, the road to the Oscars. It, it is probably the last huge film festival on the East Coast that will feature a lot of the films that come out of Telluride, Cannes, uh, Venice, and TIFF that before they, they actually are released in theaters ahead of the Golden Globes, ahead of all of the Film Critic Association Awards, and hence ahead of the Oscars, right? So this year is pretty special, right? This year, they, you know, they have 34 films. And the thing that makes this year so maddening, Charles, you know this because you've looked mm, at the schedule, yes. is that they're showing a lot of these movies one time, which makes each film an event. In addition to that, they've got a huge slew of guests that are coming this year that uh, you know are going to be participating in Q&As, talkbacks with the audience. Yeah. Then there's also several programs, and I'm lucky enough this year, wink, wink, to be on one of them, the Talk Back with the Critics that you see that's going to happen. Is that the, is that the Boxwood? Yeah, the old yes. box, the, old, the old box, box brewery. Uh, winery. Yeah. Old box. No, it says old box brewery. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, next Saturday. I'll be at that event. Um, there's also a concert with Terrence Blanchard on Sunday before the Irishman. There's also conversation. I mean, so it's jamming I mean, packed with a lot of stuff. Every year she does spot size a musician because her background is in music. In music, so every and year so it's all ter- about composers. This year is Terrence Blanchard. Terrence Blanchard. I mean, all, I'm all-star. All-star. Now, the other thing that they added this year is that um, Awards Circuit and Awards Daily has uh, kind of gotten together, and they're going to do something called Coffee and Contenders. So my boy Clayton Davis from uh, Awards Circuit uh, Jasmine Jasmine Ella or Jazz as we like to refer to is going to be a part of that and that's going to also happen at the Salamander Library on Friday morning so yeah that's a lot of cool stuff so let's talk about some of these movies man that people are going to check out this year opening night uh, the movie that we're going to review uh, and, and coming up coming is going to be the first movie shown at the festival and that is Parasite uh, 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, the 17th. Followed by a film that I saw at TIFF that I think is dang good. Marriage Story. Mm. Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, and Laura Dern. I've given you three potential Oscar nominees right there in that yeah, film. Yeah, so this yeah. is one of five or six films that Netflix has that they're going to be pushing. The Marriage t- Story is Netflix? Netflix. Wow, okay. The Two Popes, Netflix. Dolomite is, Dolomite my, name. is my name. Netflix. The Irishman, Netflix. Jeez. Netflix is rolling this year, man. So, um, yeah, so Marriage Story is going to be the highlight of opening night. Uh, of course, that's 7.30, which takes us into Friday. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. The Mr. Rogers story from Tom Hanks. Did not get a chance to see this when I was at TIFF. I heard nothing but complimentary things about this film. Also in this block, oh, go ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead. Go I was gonna say also in this block, Honey, Honey Boy, Boy, a movie yeah. I saw at Sundance. Uh, Shia LaBeouf autobiographical film about the relationship between him and his father. Shia LaBeouf plays his father. Very emotional film. Shia might have a shot might. as a as outside. a contender this year. Might outside depends shot. on how they market it. Les Mis, Les Mis is also in this block, which is Francis Oscar nominated, the film that they're putting up uh, for Oscar consideration in the category that they have now renamed the international film category, which was formerly the foreign, foreign language. language. Yeah. International International Film Oscar. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, yeah, the okay. Capote tapes. 
and and Les Mis has has been winning audience awards oh, yeah. all over the place. I mean this and this is just the first block. It's the first block. Right. The f- so the Capote tapes, another highly regarded doc. First block. Second block, the Aeronauts, the reunion of Felicity Huffman and um what's the gentleman's name? Eddie Redmayne. From the theory of everything a couple of years ago, they are now in this kind of action film about yeah, uh, let's put it let's put it like this. It played at Tiff. Wasn't a lot of love in those streets about the aeronauts. <laughs> I'll let you make up your own mind. The Portrait of a Lady, another film that I'll be checking out at the festival. A Hidden Life, Terrence Malick's latest film, which is by, it's been called by some a very good comeback attempt, and they're trying to get me to see it. But <laughs> at 173 minutes, I'm like, ah, I'm going to wait for a screener. It's Terrence Malick. No, no, no. But, it, but, 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 but I've had five people tell me that this is a really good Malick film, not the five forgettable Malicks that, <sighs> that preceded this. Okay. Uh, Varda by Agnes, uh, Chris Reed, uh, uh, one of our programmers from Lakefront, saw this at TIFF, swears by this film that it's great. The next block has Frankie, which is uh, Marissa Tomei and, um, God, I can't remember her name, but it's supposed to be a well-regarded international film candidate, and Middleburg does that very well. So you'll notice through the history, if you look through Middleburg, that usually the films that win foreign language, which is what it was called then, right, right, either right. at the Oscars or the Globes, are always shown at this 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 uh, the, festival. Not, not just the contender, I, the winner. Winner, and I don't know how they figure that out every year. Every year, and they can figure it out. But yeah, As a matter of fact, last year I was sitting right beside uh, Daniela Vega, who, who <laughs> I, and I, you know, a fantastic uh, woman, fantastic woman, yeah. So, The Atlantics is another foreign language film. The director will be in Middleburg. Invisible Life is highly regarded in Oliver Sacks. That's the uh, 230-ish block. Then comes the fun part. <laughs> the uh, spot, first spotlight Friday, film on Friday spotlight. is Harriet, uh, directed by Casey Lemons, starring Cynthia Erivo, um, written by Gregory Allen Howard, who wrote Ali. That's going to be in that block. Edward Norton's Motherless Brooklyn plays opposite it. The Truth, The Cave, and then followed by Waves. And if you haven't heard about Waves, trust me, I saw it in Toronto. Waves is brilliant. So that's going to be the spotlight film that comes after Harriet along with The King and Blow the Man Down. And then that's Friday night. The Report, which I saw at Sundance, very good. Uh, the documentary Willie that talks about the first African American hockey player in the National Hockey League. Portrait of a Lady again in the Hoy Boys. Followed in the next block by the Two Popes. Waves again in the Trader, and this is not a movie. Jojo Rabbit is uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> and here's the, part, the hard part you want to see Jojo, or is it just Mercy? With Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Really strong. Saw that in, in Toronto. Very good. I, I, and I saw that at Urban World. And it's Oh, yeah. Excellent. You know. Yes. Jamie Foxx. Think he's going to be one of the five supporting actor nominees for that one. Stole that movie out from Michael B. Jordan. Like Michael B. Jordan <laughs> stole Black Panther from under Chadwick Boseman. Stings, um, don't it? Stings. And how Stallone stole it from... No, just, <laughs> look, 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 stings when, it, when they steal your movie. Uh, one more time for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Honey Boy, and then Clemency, Clemency, which played both at Sundance and Tiff. Alfred Woodard might be in the conversation for that one. And the last film in the spotlight centerpiece on Saturday night, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, you want to see that? Uh, Knives Out and Marriage Story are all playing opposite each other. Think about that for a second. Ford versus Ferrari, Knives Out, and Marriage Story. Don't sell One, DC, two, three. Don't and sell DC, DC Noir, Noir with sure. George Pelicano's special thing. And then Sunday, let's just cut to the chase. The big thing on Sunday, The Irishman. Sold out, 400 seats. As we said last week, there's a lot of critics, man, who think they might not get in this fear in the room. Not my fear. I'm Tim Gordon. <laughs> Hosted this show. Woo! Cannot wait for the Irishman. I know what I'm doing. I'll be all right. So, I've given you some films, and these titles you've heard, I promise you, you will hear these titles again. You've got possibly four Best Picture nominees out of nine that are going to play at this this festival. Four. Almost half. If not more. 
Right. I'm just being generous. I'm saying at least four. All right, man. Let's take a break right now, man. Wow. Middleburg Film Fest, the 17th, 17th of October through the 20th at the Salamander Resort and several other locations throughout Middleburg. It's going to be an amazing festival. I hope to see you there. Matter of fact, we hope to see you there. We come back on the other side. It's going to be time to tackle two of the four movies that we're going to review. I'm going to do it a little differently today. I want you to check this guys out. Uh, you guys are listening to Keeping It Real with Phil Gordon. And we'll be right back. Hey, hey. I am your lovely Missy Stone. And you are listening to The Big Show. Keeping It Real with Phil Gordon, baby. Welcome back to the show. And of course, this week's reviews are brought to you by thefilmgordon.com. Experience film through the eyes of a true film addict. Check out all of our film content at thefilmgordon.com. There are three new movies opening in theaters this week and one that I want to talk about again. So all that is coming up. But as we tell you every week before we begin, cue the music. All right, first up is the South Korean dark comedy thriller directed by Bong Joon Ho, and of course, that is Parasite. Parasite is a story about class divisions. One lower class family who interacts with a a family of a higher, more affluent class. Uh, Normally we would say, let's check out a clip, but since this is a Korean... uh, We can do subtitles. No, no, we're not doing that. So (laughs) let me just review this film. So this film, which of course has been on the festival circuit... Uh, we'll be playing, we talked about in the previous segment at the Middleburg Film Fest, played at TIFF in Toronto, uh, is uh, a film by this director who has done films like Snowpiercer. Really good films, and his films generally uh, speak about class differences. Charles, you had an opportunity to see this film. What did you think about this film? It, it, it really speaks well to how classes look at each other and how they you know desire each other mm. and uh, it, the cinematography in, in, in this work is always incredible and so in this one there's a couple scenes where you're you're physically disgusted by what you see <laughs> on the screen and I, he's a marvel at doing things like this and if, if you've seen Snowpiercer or even The Host there's mm. always a little twist that comes along toward in his films and there's a big twist that comes along right. in this film as well. Now the thing that's interesting about this film and of course we talk about this family when it opens uh, they're in this small little cramped apartment man they don't have any Wi-Fi they're, they're kind of they're like uh, they're getting their side hustle is like folding pizza folding boxes. Pizza boxes. <laughs> I mean so <laughs> it's a really they, they're really they're, they're literally living like below the, the, the line and through ways that I don't want to really give it away they they connect with this uh, affluent family and the class divisions become very glaring and the thing that I like about it is that on the surface when you look at it it starts one way but boy does it end in a very different way man yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> is that the, the twist I told you about? I mean, you, you don't really see, you you know that there's going to be something, right. but you never see that coming. Yeah, man. And when it does, you it's it's like it stands on its head. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is a totally different movie now. Well, you know, it's funny we talk about the Snowpiercer, right? Which I you know, I, and I do remember the host, and all of his movies always have this thread of classism that runs between them. But what I really like about this director is that, you know, when you think about, you know, the difference between what a director and an auteur is, you know, a director is somebody who just sort of kind of makes films. But when we think about an auteur, auteur has a certain style about the the types of films that he makes. 
And uh, this director, to me, um, I, I've always loved his work. And it's funny when, you know, you always hear me use phrases like film as a director's medium. Mm-hmm. That This is the reason why, that you can take somebody who has a vision, and that his, visit, his vision really kind of runs concurrent through all the work that he'll create, even though the work won't all be similar. Right. But it'll have similar themes that run through it. Um, so let's stop. Let's talk grades, man. What did you think about this from a grade standpoint? I gave it a B. I gave it a B, straight B. I wanted to give it a B plus, but I gave it a straight B. Um, I gave Parasite a B plus. I like this movie a little more than you did. Um, I think it's a movie that um, is going to be uh, an international film nominee. Well, it has a strong has, possibility yeah, yeah. to be one because it is really garnering like rave reviews on the festival circuit. So if you get an opportunity, check out Parasite uh, in theaters this week. Cool. All right. Up next is a film that I had an opportunity to see at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. And I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a long time. And of course, <laughs> that movie stars Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o in a story called Little Monsters, which is an Australian-American-British zombie comedy film written and directed by Abe Forsythe. And it, of course, stars Lupita Nyong'o, Alexander English, Cat Stewart, uh, Josh Gad, and Diesel Latorica. Um, let's listen to a clip from Little Monsters. David, why are you stopping? The Christopher Road is blocked. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. funny-looking people out there are it. How do I go backwards? And we don't want to let the funny people touch us. Look, isn't she good at it? I need you to stick together in a line. So quick sticks, ready, steady, conda! Conda? All right. After very rough breakup, a uh, first grade school teacher played by Nyong'o is in class with her children. Uh, we find out that there's a cast of characters, including a, a real idiot that, that works with her, played by Josh Gad. And the school and class go off to a field trip at a petting zoo. While they're at this uh, petting zoo, and, and don't ask me why these two connect, but this is, makes the film even funnier. A zombie apocalypse <laughs> breaks out. <laughs> and all this is happening as it now has spread to the petting zoo where Nyong'o and class are in the middle of a class trip. In order to keep the children sane, she almost takes the zombie apocalypse as she's in fear, but turns it into an amazing class exercise as they stay alive while she simultaneously kills the zombies while keeping the children oblivious oblivious to all of it. (laughs) Little monsters. I remember seeing this movie and seeing Lupita Nyong'o, and this happens at a lot of film festivals, that you really don't know what you're watching. You just see there's a certain star. You see a concept that really works well. And I found this one to be quite enjoyable. I, re- I, really I remember did. I did the show when you were in Sundance right. and, and you called back from Sundance and you were raving about this oh, film. Yeah. I'm glad you're finally getting the chance to talk <laughs> about this because it's been percolating in you oh for my God. the whole idea of a zombie apocalypse. And I mean, every time you come across, all you could do now is make comedies out of it. Right. I mean, like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. George yeah. Romero did the Night of the Living Dead, all those stuff so that, that's real dark and serious. So all that's left is to go into 
ridiculousness, and this one sounds pretty ridiculous. I haven't seen well, it. You know, the thing the thing that's interesting to me um, when we having these conversations a lot of times about you know performances that stood out and actors who were really putting in work. And, you know, you heard me saying earlier in the show about don't forget Lupita Nyong'o for us. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o and Little Monsters and Us, which are both coming in theaters this year or have been released in theaters this year, is actually two different versions of this actress who we've seen win an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. We've mm-hmm. seen her do some amazing stuff, man. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o, to me, is just talented beyond measure, man. I've seen her do everything. This comedy she's doing, I've seen her work in Black Panther. I mean, she she is real. I mean, I, and I'm always in awe of people who I think can literally take a screenplay and a character and just immerse themselves mm-hmm, in it and mm-hmm. evolve in certain ways and kind of, you know, kind of make us believe, take that magic of movie theory that I love so much and actually take that role and make some magic out of it. And to think about how we talked about how great she was in a dramatic role in Us, and then to contrast it with this kind of comedy where, you know, one, two, three, eyes on me, (laughs) while she's all bloody (laughs) from killing zombies. But, like, the kid's like, ooh, (laughs) a lot of fun. She is very talented. Um, I know you have not had the opportunity to see this film yet, and it is not playing at uh, this festival that we just talked about at Middleburg. But when you get a chance, you'll you'll come back. We'll talk about it. Um, a B-plus for, for Little Monsters. Okay. A lot of fun, man. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to tip it for you, but I was, I was going to say, there's a, let's just say there's a, a hayride and some zombies. and Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. So, Peter Nyong'o. Um, so, I'm gonna, I think that's it. So, we gave a B-plus. To, I gave it. a B plus to Parasite. You went B on Parasite. I went B plus on Little Monsters. I think that's really nice, man. So those are those are two strong recommendations from two critics who belong to the DC Film Critics or WAFCA, as we refer to it. So you know you take it for what it's worth because you know people always get on me like yeah you know whatever you just got an opinion I'm like okay yeah my father-in-law even said that to me he was yeah. like yeah, it's just your opinion yeah okay I mean you know giving me a yeah. check for my opinion but you know I ain't gonna say nothing <laughs> right you know, take it for what it's worth alright so we're gonna take a break right now and we're gonna talk about something old and something new in the next segment I promise you it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna look at it and Dolomite is my name once again and old Will versus young Will. Gemini man. <laughs> you guys keep it when you got it. Trust me, it's gonna be entertaining. We'll be right back. Doing something a little different today, reviewing these films. Our last segment, we looked at Little Monsters and Parasite. Next up, Dolomite is My Name, which is a biopic uh, comedy directed by Craig Brewer. Uh, This film, of course, stars Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore, best known for portraying the character of Dolomite, both in his stand-up routine and in a series of black exploitation films starting with Dolomite in 1975. Let's listen to a clip from Dolomite Is My Name. We want this thing to be raw. Tell it like it is on the streets. Yeah, lots of pimps and hoes and cussing. And kung fu and karate. Brothers love all that kung fu and karate. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a mother. You know what we should have? A all-girl kung fu army. 
Um, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of story opportunity, Rudy. Across this nation, inner cities are being plagued by violent crime. I, I, I feel the government hasn't stepped up. That's it. It's Whitey's fault. The mayor's corrupt and there's an exorcism. Am I, I, an exorcism? Yeah, you know all that who? My mother's in hell. Um, I, I don't know how that fits into our urban uh, motif. All right. Of course, we talked about this movie last week, but I just thought that since it is in theaters now and slated to drop on Netflix at the end of the month, I wanted to bring it back again because I think Eddie Murphy is garnering serious awards uh, 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 potential for lead actor or best actor in the Academy Awards this year for his performance as what I read in one review as a steroid-filled Rudy Ray Moore, which I thought was really funny. Eddie had to put on a lot of weight <laughs> to uh, play this role. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about Joker, how Joaquin Phoenix lost, lost 55 yeah, pounds. Yeah. Eddie looked like he put on about 35 or 40 uh, to become, as T.I.'s uh, character told him, a doughier version. You're not like a star like a lot of our stars. You're a little doughier. <laughs> What the what the the doya mean? <laughs> but in this film, man, which is literally all Eddie Murphy, right? Um, he plays Rudy Ray Moore, who is a uh, kind of a guy who an entertainer who is looking for any angle that he can do to get in the game. You know, as one of the characters says, you've been a shake dancer, you've been a singer, <laughs> you've been a stand up. So he's trying all these things. And one day, as he's the the manager at a at a local record store, trying to get his record played by the 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 record store DJ played by Snoop Dogg, uh, who clouds him. Why don't you do the air quotes on Snoop Dogg? Uh, the Snoop Snoop Dogg because you know it's like uh, you know all these people pop up in the movie, man. So uh, Snoop is back there as the, as the DJ in the record yeah. store. And a wino comes in the store telling stories about bad Willie Green. <laughs> and Rudy Ray Moore gets an idea that maybe I could take that and make that into an act. Now, whether that happened or not, because, you know, that's kind of bad, because if that really did happen, that's kind of low. You're going to steal a wino's uh, material. Wino's material. <laughs> wow. Hey, inspiration comes in many forms. Oh, oh is that what we call it, the inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you lay out some absolutely. money, give them some wine, and record the act, so, and then take so it Rudy from you? So Rudy Ray Moore's muse is a wino. So what? Wow. But anyway, <laughs> suddenly, Eddie, who is opening, or Rudy Ray Moore, who is opening for local acts, becomes the headliner himself as his his new this material which is actually not new but like old material repackaged becomes huge and suddenly Rudy Ray Moore is blown up playing Dolomite and telling stories about bad Willie Green suddenly he has the <laughs> idea that all these people that are in his universe who are kind of riding with him you know played by Mike Epps Craig Robinson uh, he he what's decides the, he wants to make a movie. Again? He wants to make a movie, so he, he goes out and he hires a writer, uh, played by Keegan Michael Key. They need a director. Durville Martin, who was a sidekick of Fred Williams in the series of movies, is in the club, played by Wesley Snipes. They recruit him. Mm. Uh, he meets this woman named Lady Red, who fresh off of breaking up from a dude, becomes a part of their troupe, and. Titus Burgess from uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is the yeah, assistant manager yeah. of the record store. His whole motley crew, Rudy Ray Moore, decides he wants to make a movie called Dolomite. And the making of the movie is always better than the movie itself. Hence, see Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, <laughs> which became Badass. See, uh, what was the other film with uh, The Room with. Um, what is his name? Uh, James Franco. Uh, so oh, that was yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So here's another case of uh, of art telling us a story of of the making of a bad movie that became a cult classic. <laughs> movie made ten million dollars. Uh, so I don't in think a time when ten million dollars when was ten million dollars was a lot. lot. So Dolomite is my name is Eddie Murphy's comeback film. Uh, and I say comeback because the last movie Eddie did was uh, a thousand words. Oh, and then yeah, he did, uh, yeah. was it Mr. Mr. Church? Mr. Church. I liked Mr. Church. Nobody else did, Charles. Oh. Nobody else did. My wife liked it. Yeah. 
which is which is hence why Dolomite is my name is a comeback <laughs> film. So Dolomite is my name, man. The more I think about this film, man, I gave it a B plus. I'm gonna stick with my B plus. Eddie is magnificent in this movie. Uh, despite the fact that Wesley Snipes, I think, is really well, solid, Snipes and is Lady really Red solid. is really good, the the reason to see this movie Eddie is a, is a man that I've been watching his career from the beginning. I watched Eddie on SNL. I yes, I'm that old. Eddie Eddie is probably the guy most responsible to this day for people like Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, who are the rock star. No thing. He he took comedy. And made comedians rock stars because before Murphy came along, Pride didn't make comedians rock stars. No. He was just a, a great was... comedian. Carlin was good, but there was no rock star status. Eddie Murphy, red leather. But you talk about you talk about the, the movies that he became a rock star. But you didn't. Fr- no, I'm not talking about I the mean, movies. I'm talking about his stand up. I mean, his stand up elevated the but game. You, but you you just kind of skipped over the fact that he saves SNL. Oh no, no, I didn't skip over the fact that he saved SNL. He did save SNL. I mean, it was, I mean, weaving now, and and people have voted him the second most dominant performer on that show behind John Belushi. I would, I well, I think it's a toss up. I think Belushi was clearly the breakout star of SNL, but Eddie Murphy is, you know, he came along at a time after all those original guys left, and he, you're right, he did save the show, and to me, he's probably, since he's still alive, the the, the most popular person who's ever been a part of that show, yeah, and he yeah. just dominated it for the four seasons that he was on, and if you don't believe me, there's YouTube. You can watch it for yourself. He Eddie was, Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, is almost back. every skit oh, yeah. on, on SNL when he was Murphy, on, the, on that show. Murphy is back, and in Dolomite is my name is his calling card. So a B plus for that film. Oscar. Yep. Oscar. Next up is Charles Kirkland's favorite film of the year. Yes. Yes. And that film is Gemini Man. And Gemini Man is an action thriller directed by uh, Ang Lee. Written by David Benioff, who did 25th Hour, Billy Ray, and Darren Lemke. It stars Will Smith, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Clive Owens, and Benedict Wong. And the story follows a hitman who is targeted by a younger clone of himself while on the run. Let's listen to a clip from Jim and I, man. 25 years ago, your father took my blood and he cloned me. He made you from me. He chose me because there's never been anybody like me and he knew one day I was going to get old and then you'd step in. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan and of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. All righty. What can I say about Gemini Man? Gemini Man tells the story Mm -hmm. of a master assassin played by Will Smith. And how do we know he's a master assassin? Because in the opening sequence of the film, <laughs> he is literally two kilometers away. Is that how they describe yeah, it in the yeah, film? That's what they he say. is literally like two. almost a thousand. I mean, he's like far away. I don't know how many feet. And he's on a mountain as a train is moving with a target in the train. And Russian, you know, because like he had the shot lined up. They got in his ear. He had to change his shot. And then he had to adjust on the run and still killed his target in a moving train what looked like a 1,000 feet away. It had to be. So that's how good he is. And then we, they also solidify how good he is because the guy he's working with pays him and is like, come on, man. You know you're the only one in the game that can make that <laughs> shot. You know you're the Jay-Z of assassins, Pippin. Uh, that's how good you are. You can spin a rhyme on the spot. You can freestyle. You Nas, Jigga. You know, Biggie all rolled up into one as a master assassin, right? So now, you know. Cringeworthy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Watch this. Now, he decides he wants to get out the game, man. Because as he said in the film, his character, man, every time you take a life, it kills kills a little part of your soul. (laughs) Hey, man, like I said, man, you know. Very original. I'm giving you the real. It's called keeping it real, man. Now, as he's about to get out the game, Suddenly, the political landscape underneath him starts to shift because he knows a lot. He's really good. And an operative back in Washington played by Clive Owens decides that, you know, he's too big. We need to get rid of this guy. Now, let me stop right there because he is one of the major 
movie mistakes 101 <laughs> that movies make, right? And I'm just going to ask you out there, listeners of this show, if you knew a really scary person, somebody you knew who could hurt you, why do you go after that person? Wouldn't common sense tell you to leave that person alone and pick on somebody we know we can take? And, and, and this happens a lot in movies. There's always, we want to go after. Bourne, you know, yeah, all these things let's, that happen. Let's take down Jason Bourne. Let's take down, insert character. Let, let's take down the baddest person. He knows too much. He knows he too much. He has to die. He's got to go. So, of course, this movie has a twist. Because who do we go after to kill the baddest dude? Oh, I know. A clone of the same dude. So that the two of them have to fight each other. Now, how do we accomplish this in 2019 in the movie? Because we've been talking about films like The Irishman where de-aging has come in. We're going to de-age Will Smith. So, hence, for purposes of this review, the older Will Smith will be referred to as Bad Boys 3 Will Smith <laughs> versus him fighting Six Degrees of Separation Will Smith. You remember right, that Will Smith, right, right? Right. So all of a sudden, this guy shows up who looks a lot like the other guy, except much younger. And, and now we've got this kind of complex thing happening because they both know each other so well because they are the same person. Right. They try to, we're showing them fighting each other. They know each other's moves because they are the same person. <laughs> so and one of them is really dumb. Okay, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> so, so of course Charles, Charles was not a fan of this film. I, I found it to be mildly amusing because we kept screaming out stuff like, hey, where's Carlton? Odd Viv, where's she going to show up? But anyway, uh, uh, you know, this film is kind of international. It starts where, and then there's another reason why, which they later explain, that every time Bad Boys 3 will go someplace, uh, Six Degrees of Separation will, and the team always know where he is, which we find out that, you know, there's a reason for that, yeah. which I won't spoil. Yeah. But we also find out there's a reason behind a six degrees of separation will and why he's coming after him. Um, and then at some point, six degrees and bad boys three kind of talk to one another and find out that, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. And then when that happens, parents don't understand. Will shows up. You, now you're giving up too much. I'm giving up too much. Now you're giving up. Let's too just much. say, let's just say it's a will of a loser. <laughs> Now, I'm having I'm having fun with this movie because this movie's not really good. Oh no, this is and the- and and, I'm, and and you know, like I always tell people, the movies that you have the most fun with are the movies that are really good, or, or movies really like this. Bad. Watch this, or this movie, <laughs> Gemini Man, is directed by Ang Lee. Ang Lee has done such quality movies as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Brokeback Mountain. I mean, Ang Lee went to went to school with Spike Lee. Him, Spike Lee, and Ernest Dickinson were all in the same class at NYU. Spike Lee's student thesis, Joe's Best Eye Barbershop, We Cut Heads, which came out in 1983. Ang Lee is a part of the cast of that movie, and Spike worked on Ang's early movies. I'm just I'm trying to tell you that Ang Lee ain't just your average filmmaker. Ang Lee is decorated. He got pelts on the wall. And this is his movie. Yeah, but he also did the Hulk and Sense and Sensibility. And Gemini Man. <laughs> and, Gemini. and at the end of Gemini Man, I, I, all I will say is there's a scene where I guess we were running out of de-aging money. <laughs> where, where it is, where I was looking at the screen like, wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. this is not finished yet, is it? Oh, this is what y'all put in the theaters? Ooh, this is not good at all. <laughs> Gemini Man. Is fun to watch if you like Will Smith. And I will say it is not Wild Wild West and it is not After Earth. Because those are almost stanky, unwatchable Will Smith movies. This is better than that. Not much, mm. but better than that. Mm. Gemini Man, not a good Will Smith movie. See, what grade would you give it? Oh my God. Gemini Man smells like a C minus. Dang. Yeah, it smells like a C minus. I would go D, but then we'd be getting into Wild Wild West, 
and After Earth, which I swear is the worst Will Smith movie ever. Actually, it's not even a Will Smith movie. It's more like a Jaden Smith movie. Masquerading as a Will Smith movie. Using Will Smith's name to sell it to get you into the theaters to then three-card model you with Jaden. But Gemini, man, I'm just going to tell you, if I were you, I would root for Bad Boys 3 Will Smith. Because by the time parents don't understand, Will Smith shows up. It's ridiculous by that point. It's a D for me. It's a D for me. All right. (laughs) That's all we got this week. And as I tell you, on behalf of Sugar Shane Lewis, producer of the show, associate producer, and man who just gave Jim and I, man, a D, Charles Kirkland. On behalf of both of them brothers, um, as I tell you guys, in closing every week, please see something good at the movies. But until next time, uh, we out. (laughs) Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.